Continuing discussion of Sri Vishnu Sahasranam, name 843, Guna Brit, one who holds or sustains or very simply has qualities, referring to Vishnu who has unlimited transcendental qualities. In this session, I'm mostly going to be reading from Sri Govinda Lilamrita of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, chapter 17, in which the parrots, who are very dear to Radha and Krishna, being inspired and encouraged by Srimati Radharani and by Vrindadevi, extol the glories, the qualities of Lord Krishna. From Vishnu Sahasranama as it's usually discussed to Govinda Lilamrita discussions of the Madhura Brinda Bipina Madhuri Prabesha Chaturi Shadi, very sweet pastimes in the groves of Vrindavan, which is the essence to, to, to enter into which is the essence of all transcendental accomplishments. It's a huge leap, but we are, after all, Gorya Vaishnavas, and we are being trained to appreciate Krishna not only as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, that's inconceivable in and of itself, but even more inconceivable is inconceivable and more inconceivable. How that can be is inconceivable, but beyond inconceivable is more inconceivable. Uh, the pastimes, qualities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead when he's not so much being the Supreme Personality of Godhead but just being adorable. So, I'll read from Govinda Lilamata. It's mostly going to be reading and those who can appreciate will appreciate. And I will read and something resembling appreciation has arisen in me on reading this I want to share with others. The parrot spoke. Even though highly elevated poets and philosophers cannot begin to plumb the limitless ocean of Lord Krishna's transcendental qualities, I, an insignificant person, am now trying to drink that entire ocean by licking it with my tongue. Although no one is able to break the ripe coconut of the Lord's qualities, this greedy parrot repeatedly strikes it with his beak. This shameless person aspires to completely describe Lord Hari's trans transcendental qualities it is as if I wish to swim across the great ocean on the strength of my own arms. It is as if I wish to smash Mount Sumera, Mount Sumera apart by striking it with my head. 
It is as if I wish to carry the sun in my hand. Any tongue purified by tasting a single nectarian drop of Lord Hari's transcendental qualities can never again taste anything else. How can that tongue, which tastes the first sweet mango fruits, ever try to taste the sharply bitter nimba fruit? When Lord Krishna, the moon of Gokul, Gokula Chandra, was an infant, Gagacharya described his supreme, auspicious beauty, glory, profundity, and other features of the infinity of his divine qualities. Gargacharya explained to the king of Raja that child Krishna possessed qualities equal to those of Lord Narayana himself. Lord Krishna, the conqueror of the demons, has an infinite number of transcendental virtues such as the great love he bears for his devotees and the fact that he is completely conquered by the love of the devotees for him. Because his virtues are infinite, although the devotees earnestly endeavor day and night to count them one by one, it is not possible for them to count them all. That's the introduction. And now to start describing Describing means summarizing some of these qualities. What comes first? Beauty. Lord Krishna's beauty is the greatest of all ornaments. His age is always situated in the prime of youth. His strength is so great that it reduces great mountains to small toy balls. His character is spotless, his pastimes enchant the entire universe. His generosity is so great that he is prepared to give even himself to his devotee. His mercy floods the entire world with nectar and his fame purifies everything. In this world, who is able to completely describe the transcendental qualities of Lord Krishna? So any one of these topics about his beauty, his strength, his character being spotless, any one of these could be elaborated upon infinitely. This is only a summary. The parrots continue. Youthfulness, the gopis, beauty, sweetness, amorous pastimes, expertise, purity, charming restlessness, and a host of transcendental virtues have all attained supreme success because they were accepted by Lord Krishna, the prince of the cowherds. So let's go that. Youthfulness, this is desirable. The gopis, they are so praiseworthy. Beauty, sweetness. What is being stated here is that all these qualities that we think of as desirable, they are desirable because they have been accepted by Krishna. Of course, they're inherent in him eternally, but because they're associated with him, we find even their perverted reflection in this material world to be attractive. They're, they are what makes him attractive, and he makes the qualities attractive. Continuing the reading, 
The fragrance of musk-scented blue lotus flowers emanates from all the limbs of Krishna. The fragrance of aguru-scented parijata flowers emanates from Lord Krishna's eyebrows and the hair of his armpits and middle. The fragrance of camphor-scented lotus flowers emanates from Lord Krishna's nose, navel, face, hands, feet and eyes. All these sweet aromas have become waves in a great ocean of fragrance which is flooding the world in all directions. Lord Hari's transcendental qualities enchant the minds of the gopis who become filled with love for him. This love charms Lord Hari's mind and senses and brings him very firmly under the gopis' control. So the effect of these qualities is to enchant the minds of the gopis. They, they insp these qualities inspire love in the gopis and the gopis' love captures the mind of Krishna and brings him under the gopis' control. We're referring here to the older gopis, the age group of Yashoda, mothers, and then the younger gopis, the age group approximately of Radha. So it's all a matter of love. Krishna's attraction, his qualities. The next verse. The gopis became attracted by the sounds of Lord Krishna's flute, and because of that attraction, the great festival of the Rasa dance occurred. Because of this festival, all the desires of the Supreme Lord became fulfilled. Because all the Lord's desires were fulfilled, the entire universe became full of joy. Playing on the king of Raja's chest, that means Nanda Maharaja's chest, Lord Krishna appears like a garland of blue lotus petals resting there. How is it possible that this small child has unlimited qualities which even Lord Anantadev cannot describe with his thousands of voices? Krishna showed to his mother Yashoda the entire universe within his body, within his mouth. And he easily lifted Govardhan Hill as if it were just some lotus flower in his hand. Although the mightily powerful Krishna could act so wonderfully, he still experiences unlimited happiness simply by seeing Srimati Radharani's lotus face. He's so great, but Radharani is greater because she attracts him. This is certainly very astonishing. Lord Krishna gazed at the form of Srimati Radharani reflected in the ocean of beauty in his heart. But when one of Radha's rivals stood in her place, he became immediately horrified and he trembled with anger. Mm. These are all qualities of the Krishna in his love pastimes in Vrindavan. Captivated by unparalleled Srimati Radharani, Lord Hari's mind does not chase after any other gopi. Will a bumblebee, eager to constantly drink the honey of a great colony of lotus flowers, ever leave them to go to the flowers of a small vine? 
The sun is hot. Okay. The moon is cool. Yeah, okay. The earth tolerates anything. The wind is fickle and unsteady. The devotees are saintly and peaceful. The ocean is deep. These are all the natural qualities. The sun is hot. The moon is cool. In the same way, Lord Krishna is controlled by love. Why is the sun hot? Well, it's the sun. Why is the moon cool? Well, it's the moon. Why is the ocean deep? Well, that's what it means to be the ocean. And what does it mean to be Krishna? It means to be controlled by love, by the love of his devotees. Although Lord Krishna is very steady-minded, patient, shy, and humble, although he is the greatest exemplar of impeccable good character, although his transcendental nature, his transcendental form is by nature full of all transcendental bliss, and although all of these good qualities are eternally present within him, and they never decay, decay or lessen, nevertheless, when he sees the face of Srimati Radharani, he becomes beside himself with love for her. He loses it, as they in colloquial English. He loses it. He becomes beside himself with love for her. He trembles with love and aimlessly wanders around like a madman. If even the chaste minds of Lakshmi and other goddesses of fortune become captivated by a distant glimpse of Lord Krishna's transcendental qualities, then how can anyone describe the condition of the young girls of Raja whose minds are always melting with love for Krishna? So this is, this is what happens when we really appreciate the qualities of Krishna. We're discussing Guna Brit, who has, he who has qualities. What is the full implication of this? It's not simply something to be argued about with the Mayavadis. It's not simply a philosophical issue. The emotional, existential result is that we become captivated by love for Krishna, if we actually have full appreciation. Who has actual full appreciation? The gopis of Vrindavan, and their appreciation is, the, the expression of their appreciation is described in the next verse. <clears throat> the beautiful girls of Raja worship Lord Krishna, offering their perspiration as Padya water, their hair standing up in ecstasy as Argya water, the nectar of their respectful speeches as Archimaniya water, the fragrance of their bodies as incense, and their gentle smiles as flowers. The nectar of their embraces and other amorous recreations is the offering of foodstuff they place before the Lord, and the nectar of their kisses is their offering of betel nuts. Of course, they also offer him betel and agya and archimania and so many nice foods and betel nuts. Literally. Continuing. Those whose mind are filled 
with the thirst for material happiness, think of Lord Krishna as the best of philanthropists. This is a beginning. People, people who are materially pious, but who are concerned with material happiness, can begin to appreciate Krishna's qualities by seeing him as, oh, yes, God is very good. He gives us everything that we want for enjoying in this world. That's a beginning of appreciation of his qualities. Similarly, Krishnadas Kaviraj says, those distressed by the troubles of material existence think of Lord Krishna as the most merciful person. That's another way to approach God. You're thinking, oh, I'm so distressed. He will save me. The young gopis think of Lord Krishna as Cupid personified and the Lord's enemies think of him as the incarnation of death. Uh, he has so many qualities and they're differently appreciated by different people. The people of Raja think of Lord Krishna as their own dear relative. In this way, many different classes of people think of Lord Krishna in different ways. This is partially paraphrasing the description of how different people in the wrestling arena arranged by Kangsa in Mathura appreciated Krishna when he entered therein. Continuing the reading, I offer my respectful obeisances to Lord Krishna. An outcast who becomes a devotee of Lord Krishna once becomes a fully qualified Brahmana. That's the quality of Krishna. In Hindu culture, it's thought, well, an outcast can't become a Brahmana. It's not possible. Maybe after many, many births, but Krishna can do that. That's one of his qualities. And a Brahmana averse to Lord Krishna immediately becomes a degraded outcast. Love for Lord Krishna turns the bitter poison of humbleness into the sweetness of nectar. Ah, to be humble in this world, people are forced to be humble. Those who are oppressed, they're forced to be premble. It's bitter poison. But the voluntarily, voluntary humility of submitting oneself to Krishna is the sweetest of the sweet. Continuing, Lord Krishna's fame attracts everyone to him and makes everyone else seem insignificant in, in comparison to him. Separation from Lord Krishna transforms the cooling moon into a blazing fire and the raging fire into nectarian moonlight. And practically, we hear how Srimati Radharani and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the mood of Radharani experience this. If someone says that Krishna was cruel to kill Putana and so many other of his enemies, then I say that, well, if that's so, then why do the greatest poets and philosophers continually glorify him for his smiling compassion and host of other good qualities? Hmm. Someone may say, well, Krishna doesn't have good qualities. He kills demons, that's not good. Well, just consider, wait a minute, there's some, there must be something wrong in that logic because Krishna is glorified for his good qualities by people who themselves are, even from our standpoint, full of good qualities. Then, uh, as if speaking to a bewildered gopi, this is not Lord Krishna's form, it's just the Yamuna river it's not Lord Hari's face, 
It's a lotus flower. These are not Hari's eyes, they're a pair of lotus flowers. This is not Lord Krishna's curling hair. It's a swarm of black bees. Oh, my friend Gopi, Sakhi, why then are your eyes greedily running after these things? The minds of the beautiful girls of Raja were always overcome with various transformations of ecstatic love for Krishna. At first, Cupid entered their, entered their minds and expanded himself within them, and then flute melodies expertly played by the prince of Raja also entered their minds. Now, describing something about the quality of love that Krishna inspires and the quality of his flute playing. His love attracted them from within uh, and then <clears throat> from, from outside the, the sound of his plute, flute playing completely finished them off. All glories to the sweet flute music played by Lord Krishna, the moon of Gokul. That music arouses amorous desires in the hearts of the lotus-eyed gopis, steals away the treasury of their calmness, removes their fear of public opinion, cuts at the root of their pious chastity, and drags them away from their husband's side. That music causes non-moving entities like trees and flowers to tremble with love of Krishna, and it also causes moving living entities to become stunned in ecstasy. Yeah, that description is there. We find in the Nectar of Devotion, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, on hearing the flute music of Krishna, the Yamuna river became solid like rock and the rocks became liquid. Then natural existential qualities became reversed. Such is the power of Krishna's playing his flute inconceivable. O oh people, if you say that in this world many men are splendidly decorated with the rare gems of numberless virtues, nectarian mellows of love, charming pastimes and great riches, and therefore Lord Krishna is not very, not very important among all these men, then I say to you that Lord Krishna, the Prince of Raja, is described by the most elevated sages as the greatest of all persons. He is full of all opulences and no one can compare with him. <clears throat> Overwhelmed with love for Krishna, the gopis addressed Krishna's flute in the following words. O oh dear friend, O oh cruel flute, on the pretext of producing various musical sounds, you are discharging what appears to be at one moment a flood of nectar and at the next moment a flood of poison. This flood appears to be simultaneously giving us life and killing us. This flood produces within us a mysterious condition that we can neither understand nor bear. The demons yearn after sense pleasures, yet they hate Lord Krishna who gives all pleasure to his devotees. The demons greedily run after money, Yet they hate Krishna, who gives all wealth to his devotees. The demons aspire to attain a happy situation in life, yet they hate Lord Krishna, who is like the personification of all happiness. 
the demons desire sovereignty over the world, yet they hate Krishna, the master of all the universes. From this we may see that the demons are not very intelligent, for they have become bitter enemies of the only person able to fulfill their desires. Her mind flooded by the swiftly flowing mountain stream of Lord Krishna's transcendental pastimes, a certain lotus-eyed girl traveled a little distance from her home. Seeing an old woman and feeling a hand touch her shoulder, she became frightened until she realized that Krishna had come to her in disguise. She said to him, Ah, now the rendezvous with my lover is successful. The hearts of the pious young gopis are all drowned in thinking of Krishna, the hero who lifted Govardhan Hill. Lord Krishna is filled to the depths with all transcendental virtues and his exemplary good character pleases everyone. He is free from all suffering and he frees his devotees from all suffering also. His handsome youthfulness has enchanted and stolen away the eyes and hearts of everyone. Lord Hari, Hari means he who takes away. Lord Hari forcibly took away the demons' lives, Indra's sacrificial offering, and Kaliya's home. Although superficially displeasing to them, these acts become the source of great auspiciousness for all of them. Hari leaves Srimati Radharani's cottage. His forehead is not only decorated with many designs drawn in the colorful mineral pigments from Govardhan Hill, but it is also marked with the red cosmetics from Srimati Radharani's feet and lips. As dark as a rain cloud, Lord Hari's chest is also smeared with the musk from Radharani's breasts. For this reason, some foolish people, proud of their expert knowledge of material morality, decline to worship Hari. The treasury of Lord Krishna's sweetness and the treasury of Srimati Radharani's love for him both increase day and night. Radha and Krishna's pastimes in the groves of Vrindavan and the bliss of their gopi friends similarly increase day and night. Lord Krishna's feet are as beautiful as two lotus flowers. His face is as radiant as the moon. His delightful eyebrows are like a swarm of bumblebees. His charming lips are like nectar. His beautiful restless eyes are like two moving lotus flowers. His splendid teeth are like jasmine buds. His sweet words are like nectar and the effulgence of his smile is like moonlight. Lord Krishna's hands are like two blossoming flowers. His fingernails are like a line of full moons. His cheeks like two mirrors, and his bodily luster like a dark monsoon cloud. When the gopis see his lotus face, they become like bumblebees thirsty to drink its nectar. He is like the pleasing moon to the saintly devotees. Those who surrender to him or offer obeisances to him 
To them he gives treatment just like his own sons. He is like an ocean of nectar flooding the groves of Vrindavan. He is like a thunderbolt of the demons and like Cupid to the beautiful gopis. No one is as charitable as he. No hero is equal to him. No one's activities are in any way like his transcendental pastimes. No one is equal to him in any way. We pray that this Lord Krishna, whose lotus face is kissed by the dear-eyed gopis, may protect us. And it continues, the chapter continues. So, that's two sessions describing the qualities of Lord Krishna. Most of our sessions on Vishnu Sahasram, we do one name in one session. There are two sessions. Have we finished now? Will we ever finish the glories of the qualities of Lord Krishna? We'll never finish. It's not possible. But as far as my notes that I prepared for speaking on this topic, as far as that is concerned, uh, we'll expect to cover this name Guna Brit, finish our coverage of it in the next session. For now, let us meditate on the great qualities of Lord Krishna and the devotees like Krishnadas Kaviraj whose whole existence is simply appreciating the qualities of Lord Krishna, who is Guna Brit, the one who has transcendental qualities. Vancha kalpatarubhyascha kripa sindhubya evacha Patitanam Pavane Bhyo Vaishnave Bhyo Namo Namaha Dante Nidhaya Trunakam Padeya Nepatya Kritva Chaka Kushatame Tadaham Ravimi He Sadava Sakaleva Vehaya Durad Gauranga Chandra Charane Kuruta Nuragaha Parivadatu Jano Yatatataba Nanamukarona Vayam Vicharayama Harirase Madhira Madhati Matta Bhuvi Vilotama Nartama Nirvishama Hare Krishna Hare Krishna Krishna Krishna